Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. If you have your Westover app and you would like to open it up for today's scripture and notes, or if you have your Bible, join me in John chapter number one. We're in a series that we're wrapping up today that we entitled Real Christmas. And today I want to talk to you about turning points. Turning points. You know, a turning point is when at that moment something changes, some, a trajectory Sometimes history changes. What are some turning points in, in human history? Well, they say the Bronze Age was significant in which a man was able to craft tools and therefore began to change the structures and began to change how society operated. 1492 is a turning point. What was that? Columbus. Historians, okay, did you take history in school? Yeah, stay with me. He discovered the new world. 1776, the American Revolution. 1955, Rosa Parks refused to sit in the back of the bus. Has changed America, has changed the world. 1969, does that date bring anything up? Hmm, what happened there? Well, let, let me give you another hint. Juan Antonio Falcon. He discovered the fajita. Come on. Was that not a turning point? Is that, is that not a turning point? And Wikipedia says, <laughs> Wikipedia says that San Antonio was instrumental in the development of the fajita. I mean, we've changed the way the world eats. Turning points. A turning point is that moment at that irrevocable place that at that moment it changes the, it's a, some have called it a paradigm shift maybe would be the language some would use. Are you ready for a turning point? You ever come to the point in life, you need a turning point? You get caught in routine? You get caught in just the, the, the average, the everyday? You, you, you feel like you're just the average person doing the average, 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 and it begins to gobble you up. Huh. Let's talk about turning points. In the classic Christmas movie, Frosty the Snowman, there's a turning point. You know the story. Three main characters. There's Karen, there's Frosty, and there's Mr. Hinkle. And they take Mr. Hinkle's hat and they place it upon a snowman, and Frosty comes alive. I'm all living. I am alive. What a neat thing to happen to a nice guy like me. That must have been some magic. And that old silk hat they found For oh, when they placed it on his head He began to dance around Frosty the snowman Was alive as he could be And the children say he could laugh and play Just the same as you and me In the classic movie, there's just one moment A turning point When a 
snowman becomes alive and begins to sing. Turning points. And not only that, Frosty has to make the best of the new gift that's given to him. I wonder if there's not something in that that can speak to us today. In fact, I'm going to invite you to join me in the Gospel of John, chapter number 1. The entire first chapter of John kind of reads like Genesis, kind of that creation moment that when it says in Genesis that, that God said, let there be light. And we have the kind of that tone and that emphasis in, in John chapter 1. It opens up and says that Jesus, he's the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Go all the way down to verse number 4 and 5, and that's what we want to focus on today. And it says of Jesus this, verse 4 and 5. In him, Jesus, was life. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. For you, for me. For people that live in the north, people that live in the south, people that live in Asia, people that live in the Middle East. For all mankind. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We need to hear that today. You need to know, and all that's going on and what you hear on the news and the debate and conflict and the nation and upheaval and coups and border uh, breaches and things that are going around, around our world, guess what? The light is going to win. God's going to win this thing. As, as dark as things may seem, light conquers darkness. And of Jesus today, I want to drop a few thoughts in our hearts, this pre-Christmas service. The first thing I want to share with you is, is that Jesus can change your life. Jesus can change your life. Jesus can change your life. It says here in verse number four, that one phrase, in him was life. It was Ralph Waldo Emerson that says life is an experiment. Somebody has said that life is a game. Shakespeare said that life is a stage. Somebody has told us, you only live once. But James Bond came along and says, you only live twice, so I, I don't know. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh says, life is a journey. John Wayne the Duke said, life is hard and it's even harder if you're stupid. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in an oxymoron, some of us are saying, life is killing me. Wow. Life is killing me. John chapter 1 John the Beloved opens up and he talks about life. More than any other gospel writer, he, he seems to dive into this subject and he builds on it and he says, in Jesus is life. Hmm. It reminds me of creation. We go back to Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, we have the account of when God created 
not just the heavens and the earth, God created man. Man, you and I, were created in the image of God. And it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7, that God breathed into man, took dust, formed, formed Adam, and breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. One version says man became a living being. He breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. What's a little interesting to me about that verse is the two words for life are two different Hebrew words. Breathed into man the breath of life, man became a living soul. Two different Hebrew words. They have two different meanings. Let's talk about it a minute. God breathed into man the breath of life. That Hebrew word literally means lifespan. Lifespan. God breathed into this dust and it became Adam. Adam had a birthday. You have a birthday. God gave us lifespan. God gave us life. Our hearts begin to beat. Our neurological system begins to function. And we are an entity. We are, we're, a, we're a person. We're an individual. We have, we have lifespan. We have life. That's literally what happened. Lifespan. And, and some people spend all of their time in that category. All they can say is, I'm alive. In fact, they'll refer to their life as get back to the grind. That's how they're referred to it. When you live life in just the lifespan, you have to get all you can and can all you get. It's going to be the battle. It's just about existing. That's where, that, that, that's where Darwin said that we live our entire being is just survival of the meanest, the fittest, just fighting for survival. And it, it would be Shakespeare that will pick up on that thought and he says it's all to be or not to be. You either just live or you just die. You just have lifespan. Then it was Paul McCartney, the Beatles. They came out and they said it's, you can't control things. You can't, you, you, you're just handed this deck of cards and you just have to deal with the, the life, the lifespan you have. And they wrote the famous song, just let it be. Don't worry about it. Can't stress on it. You can't change anything. Just let it be. But you see, God did not leave Adam and God has not left you just there in lifespan. God has just not assigned you years and say, struggle with it. Fight with it and just do your best and one day it, you'll be and you will not be. No. God breathed into Adam the breath of life and man became a living soul. That word in the Hebrew speaks of spirit. It's, it's being spirited, having spirit in us. God did not just create us to have lifespan God created us to have, to have a life of meaning. It's, it's in this area, the 
that a living soul, that's, that's what the poets write about. That's what the songwriters begin to pin their songs about, that there is a living, there is something better than just existence. And God created that, and God purposed that, that you and I would have that. You see, not everybody with a pulse has a purpose. Hmm. And God did not create us just to exist. People that are, don't even claim faith. People that don't even believe the, the account of Jesus in the Bible, they will use a phrase themselves of being fully alive. People who are not people of faith recognize you can have lifespan and not be fully alive. There is something every one of us know that there is a life that is better. There's something inside of us. It could be different and it should be better. We have lifespan, but we're looking to become that living soul, having life on the inside. It was Thomas Aquinas, the great thinker, and he said one of the proofs for the existence of God is what he called gradation. Gradation, what is that? It means that something could be good, but there's always a better from the good, and there's always a best. Good, better, best. We have the bronze, we have the silver, we have the gold medal. We understand the gold is better than the bronze. You have tall, you have grande, you have vinti, yes. You, uh, you have happy, you have happier, you have the happiest. There's something inside of us that the animal kingdom does not have, and it's the ability to conceptualize something could be better. What is that? Thomas Aquinas said, that's proof that there's spirit in you. There's proof that that's the nature of God in you, always wanting it better believing it could be better. And the God that is better, the God that is good, has put something in the genesis of every one of us that desires for something better in life. But how does that happen? How does that happen? How does that, how does that Jesus that is life, how, how, does it, how does it come into our being? How, does, how do we get Jesus into our heart? May I? My visits, the, the subject of science, yes. I'm going to tell you how the Bible talks about it. I'm going to tell you what the, the, the faith experience is. But for a moment, let me take science and overlay it on the Bible. And science and the Bible agree. They don't disagree. Huh. Thermodynamics. There are three laws of thermodynamics. The laws of thermodynamics control every system, control the entire universe. Our entire universe, the galaxies, how everything works, functions by the laws of thermodynamics. Our society, our ecosystem, everything around us functions by thermodynamics. And that is to say that anything in a status, in a static place, will always deteriorate. Yes. Yeah. Anything to move from a static place has to have something intervening upon it. If you, a glass of water, a pan of water will not heat itself. 
A glass of water to get cooler, you got to put it in the refrigerator. But if it sits on the counter, it will not just get cooler or hotter. It won't become ice or it won't become steam. But if you put that pan of water on the stove, you turn on the burner, the heat comes, and guess what? When something outside of the system is introduced, it begins to change, and it takes on the nature of the thing that is introduced to us. Now, come on. That is the law of thermodynamics. By the way, the law of thermodynamics and evolution do not coexist. Those in the scientific community that espouse thermodynamics that evolution argues against it argues against it the bible espouses the laws of thermodynamics what does it say we're in a world we're in a place and guess what everything is deteriorating why because sin came into our world Sin came into existence. And inside of you is an aspiration, according to Thomas Aquinas. You're wanting the better. You're wanting the best. But you always feel like there's the worst in you. And something drags you down to something less than the best. What is that? That is sin. How do you, how do you in, offset sin? You have to introduce into the system something outside of the system to change the system. I just told you the incarnation. A God that was outside of the system said, I will be born in, a, in Bethlehem. I will become like them. Why? So they can become like me. God stepped in the human situation. Why? Because he wanted to bring life to us. You see, God's in the business of bringing change into our life. My life changed. My turning point is when I invited Jesus into my heart. And many of you, that's, what, that's when it occurred for you. How does that happen? Let me, be just, let me just be very clear with it. We invite Jesus we, through repentance and prayer. If, if, if mankind was inviting it, you'd have to earn it. You'd have to purchase it. The, the wealthy would have it and the poor would be without. The strong would have it and the weak would be without. But God says he's not going to let humanity create this. God will create it. And he offers the gift of eternal life to whomever will call upon the name of the Lord. And to demonstrate God's goodness, God didn't say you have to get to him. Jesus was born. God says, I'm going to come to you. And our Savior was born. And we celebrate that. And when we say, Jesus, you come into my heart. Jesus, you change me. God honors that. You see, God's in the business of changing lives. In him is life. Second all I want to share with you. God's gift it keeps on giving. God's gift of life it keeps on giving. God has a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, some of you you're you're out looking for that perfect gift. Let me let me let me just share with you this is something I found. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. $6.95, it's called nothing. Yeah, it said it's for the person that has everything, you give them nothing. 
And here is a little glass container with nothing on it. And you get first, I mean, only in America would they think about this, huh? Only in America. $6.95. Here's the instructions. Carefully open the package and experience nothing. It comes with a warranty. Listen, this product is guaranteed to do absolutely nothing. If something happens, return for a full refund. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is so much of life. We chase goals, we chase ambitions, and guess what? We come up with nothing. But God has a gift that keeps on giving. And the Bible says in John chapter one, verse number four, I love it. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. There it is. God gives life, and that life is the light of all mankind. God doesn't just give you lifespan. God gives you the life worth living. He guides, he directs, he wants to be engaged, he wants to be a part of your life. He wants to bring color to your life. The light of all mankind. Hmm. How important is light? You ever think about it? We live in a dark room. I read articles on the internet weekly. Uh, you Google where our society, where our world, we live in a dark world. It seems like the, the, to use a phrase from Star Wars, America has yielded to the dark side. It seems the worst of people come out all the time. We uncover things, and it seems the nefarious and the, 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 the worst of mankind is so evident. We live in a dark room. Hmm. Do you know when, they, when things are dark, everything's the same color? The white wall, the red wall, the yellow wall, the blue wall, they're all the same color. There is no color when there's no light. On the wall, whether it's a masterpiece, painted by a great artist or it's just an old expired calendar with an old thumbtack holding it up. It's the same. You can't see it. In darkness, diamonds don't sparkle. You can't see smiles on faces. You can't see the, the glistening eyes and excitement. You can't see facial expressions in darkness. And the Bible uses that as an example of us being without Christ. We live in darkness. But God has something better. God calls us into light. He calls us, move out of darkness, move into light. God, God is inviting us to step to know Jesus. And Scripture says if we will, if we'll know Jesus, that Jesus will step into our life and bring light and purpose to us. But today, unfortunately, in the American church, we don't step out of darkness into light. We bring the darkness with us into the light. And we are living in an in-between. It seems it's palatable 
in the American church to live in darkness and in light and to enjoy 50 shades of gray. Yeah. Oh, my sin, my stuff, my garbage, my dysfunction, my brokenness, it just, we bring it along with it. So we, we've got to this thing that we now hyphenate our faith. We don't, we don't abandon the darkness, we hyphenate it. We are dark Christians. We're, we're cohabitating Christians. We are, we are addicted Christians. We're alcoholic Christians. We just, we just hyphenate our sin and we bring it into Christianity and then we wonder why our life doesn't have the life that God intended. Why there isn't a turning point. Why is it that we struggle and we don't have the joy and the fullness and the satisfaction that the Bible says that we could and should have? Why do we have nothing? Because Jesus is that light. I was in Africa on a missions trip. Denise was with me. We are in a remote region. There's no city. There's no town. There's no, there, there are no lights at night. There are no street lights. I mean, we're, we're out in the bush area, and it's dark. It is, it is dark. You can't imagine how dark it is when there are no street lights, city lights. Just, you're out in the most remote region, and the light that we had was, was kerosene lanterns. That's how we were functioning. And while we were there, I needed to go from the tent I was staying to another place. And there was a building down here. And it's a cement block wall building that you could go to. And there's a, there's a cement wall standing about eight foot high that just came out. And then over here was a part of the building. And this was the opening. And I said, oh, I, I, I'll, I'll go there, but, oh, I don't need to take the, I don't need to light the lantern. I don't, I can find my way. I'll just put out my hands. And when I find the wall, I'll, I'll fill along the wall and I'll get where I need to go. I'm walking at night in the most abject darkness you can imagine. And as I walk, waiting for my hands to fill that wall, that wall goes right between my hands. Yeah. That wall goes right between my hands, and I run into that concrete wall with my head. Bonk! It hurt so bad. Oh, I was, it took my breath away. It took my breath away. The next morning, Denise looks at my face and says, what in the world happened to you? I said, sweetheart, we can't tell people I walked into the wall at night. Here's the story. Wild gorillas attacked us, and I protected you, and I stood between you and these, these, these wild beasts to protect you. And she said, oh, yeah. Here's the point. time you don't think you need light you need light and this year some of us hit the wall we hit the wall 
living in the darkness without the light of Jesus became so evident. You came to a point of utter confusion. Emotionally, you, you just kind of collapsed. You said, it's not working. I feel empty. Jesus, Jesus brings life. Jesus brings light to our lives. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Balcony and main floor, church online, you'll join me in prayer. Just bow your heads for a moment. If you would, thank you, thank you. If you're in the moment that you need to receive Jesus as your Savior, to receive his life, and you want to do that today, I'm going to invite you by an upraised hand on the count of three to indicate that. Your hand going up is saying, I'm ready to make Jesus my Savior. I need the life that only comes from God, if that's you. One, two, three. You raise your hand, yes. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God is going to honor that. We're going to pray a prayer in a moment, and the prayer you pray is a prayer of saying, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, take control of my life, and God's going to honor that. And I'm going to lead you in that prayer right now. Father, there are wonderful, sincere people that have just indicated they've reached the moment in life and they're saying, God, I need you. And they're saying from their heart, God, forgive me. They're saying right now, Jesus, come into my life. Take control of my life. Forgive me, God. Help me to serve you. They believe that Jesus is God's one and only son. And this is their moment, not just a birthday. They're going to not just have lifespan. They're going to they're become that spirited being. Their spirit person is alive through Jesus. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, the new birth will take place for them right now. That they will see and sense the assurance of God of being forgiven. They will receive God's spirit into their life they will see themselves as not hostile or enemies of God or, or separated from God but a part of God's family, God's children I pray God you'll honor that and I speak the peace that only Jesus can bring I speak the goodness of the Lord upon them and this this Sunday this day this Lord's Day, I welcome them into the family of God. In Christ's name, amen, amen. Well, thank you for being